The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. What about Twister? Oh. Aww. Naked Twister. What? Come on. It'll be fun. It's freezing. And I don't want Kirk's dangly bits anywhere near me, thank you. There's nothing wrong with my Kirk's dangly bits. Well, I never said that there was. I might have to arrest you for indecent exposure. <laughs> Can't arrest someone with cancer. Come on. Get your kit off. It's my dying wish. Naked Twister. Welcome to episode 74 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that's hugely grateful to Kirk for keeping his dangly bits where they belong, but it's curious to know what a blue cheeseburger did to poor Gemma, I'm Gavin. Oh, and I am so glad to see you. <laughs> I'm home, y'all. Woot woot. Yeah, I feel very well. Oh. <laughs> We're doing another Saturday morning, because by the time I got home, by the time we kind of got settled and stuff, it was far too late to do this. So how was your week then? Uh, well, I wasn't feeling well pretty much all week. It was kind of up and down. But stayed busy, work, and um, beginning the preliminary organizing of uh, of a community-wide project that I'm quite excited about, Ooh. and uh, recycling cans. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't sound very exciting, but... It, that's that's not, though, is it? We did, we did like, <clears throat> over a thousand cans. So, actually, over 2,000 cans. Right. So, that was pretty exciting. There were, like, three of us just chucking cans into the machine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as fast as we could. Uh, and then I managed to even sneak a cheeky auction in as well. A cheeky wee auction. A cheeky wee auction. Oh, where about? Just right up, right up the road on on, uh, on Woodham. Oh, good yeah. for you. Yeah, that's where I bought that uh, that light that I sold to Arby yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was amazing, finding a light that matches perfectly <laughs> with the rest of the lights in the restaurant. Right. In this old person's home. <laughs> what if that person's been going into the restaurant and stealing the light fittings? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think that's the most reasonable explanation for that. <laughs> oh, my poor wee darling. Let's let's get this done. I'm never going to get off a plane. Planes make me ill. Right, especially when you're going from one climate to another. Mm-hmm. You know, because Florida is very different from Michigan this time of year. It was high 80s most days. Yeah, and you're coming home to high 50s. It was 50, I think. Fahrenheit. Yes. <laughs> So like thirty two down to ten, yeah. And if you want to know why we have a difference between Fahrenheit and Celsius, please do check out Common Language episode Weights and Measures. There you go. That's a plug for Common Language. Then <laughs> shall we preamble, my dear? Oh yes, please. Cory News. Rumours abounded that the cast of Cory would be having a very disastrous Christmas this year as paparazzi snapped pics of smoke over the cobbles. Oh. But production squashed them by claiming the photos merely showed exhaust from a heater. And I believe them because it really doesn't look like it's all that much smoke. Oh, really? It's like this one, like, ploof. A ploof. A ploof. A ploof of smoke. A ploof of smoke. And it doesn't even really look like smoke. It looks more like, you know steam or water vapor or something because it's very white as opposed to gray which would be the color of smoke from a fire or something or black yeah hmm. so so that's 
Yes. Corey, not news then. Well, no, it's 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 news because it's some people might now. might think that they're still going to be anyway. More schedule changes are coming for us. The oh, show confirmed you know. that we'll get an extra episode this week on Thursday, as well as another extra episode on Halloween. So that's the next two weeks, then there's going to be seven episodes. Yes. Ugh. I'm not watching on Halloween, though. <laughs> I'll be watching when is Halloween this year? Spooky movies, huh? When is Halloween this year? Is that Friday? Thursday. Thursday. Because we would already have episodes on Friday. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a Thursday. We have a trick-or-treat Main Street on Wednesday this week. I fucking hate Halloween. I fucking love Halloween. <laughs> Your awful. costume hasn't come in yet, though. Good. I've forgotten what it was. I don't think I was happy about it. <laughs> I love how I get a say in this. Well, if you took more of an interest... Then I'm not interested, though. I'm not interested. <laughs> I couldn't be less interested in it. It's all for the kids. It isn't. It's for you. They don't give a shit about it either. Yes, they do. Not as much as you do. Stelly more than Betty. Anyway. Anyway. And finally, Marion Logan has joined the show this week. More on her character later, but fans might remember her as Susie Croft in The Bill, Sarah Orion and Liz Tate in Casualty, Diane Carter in Hollyoaks, and Sarah in Holby City. Yeah, she had a head swap. Yes. She had a different head the last time she was on. Yes, yes. She was, uh, the, her, her character was played by someone else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Much like Ben Price taking over the the body of uh, the Adam Ricketts, <laughs> <laughs> which always sounds like a disease. Yes, and that's Corey news. And that's Corey news wrapped up our mailbag. Then Chris writes he's stuck in Buenos Aires Airport. Ooh. Oh well, fancy. How nice for him. He's uh, gigging with the Kaiser Chiefs again. <clears throat> As a storm rages outside and planes are struggling to stay in the air and on the runway, he's used the unscheduled free time to listen to The Talk of the Street for a second time. Oh, Bloody love it, I do, says Chris. Oh, thank you very much. That really made my day. Chloe from Nova Scotia thinks it's been a nightmare waiting a whole week between episodes of Corey. I couldn't disagree more. Yeah. I quite enjoyed a little break. I mean, yeah. I think we might have felt differently if you hadn't been away. Right. And if I hadn't been camping the weekend before, so. Yeah. It kind of worked out nice for our schedule. Right, yeah. This week. Yeah, it was it was nice not having. But then it's going to kick us in the balls next week. Right, yeah. And then the week after. Hindsight Corner. As far as I can establish, no one has said hello to Pat Smear yet. That's our preamble. We are flying through this, and I took very sparse notes, I have to say, because <laughs> half of them were done in between sessions at a conference, and the other half were done while I was sitting waiting for my plane at the airport yesterday. Yeah. So, I think about half of the regular length, and only for two episodes, so yeah. we could be done before I've re- even properly woken up. Wow. Shall we dive in then, my dear? Yes, please. On Wednesday then. Sinead and Daniel. This was kind of tough, but there was a bit of fun I felt in it. A little bit of fun for a little bit. Yeah. And we'll get to that bit. Yes. Sinead's really weak, but she's looking forward to a picnic, which presumably was on her bucket list. Knock out the park with that bucket list. Have a picnic. I don't think it was on the bucket list. Down the stairs and across the street. Wanted to get outside for a wee bit. I know when you're really, really sick, one of the things you miss is the great outdoors. In Roy's roles, Kirk tells Beth that they need to make time to talk about this, which she appreciates because she's kind of keeping all this into herself. Yes. And during the picnic, Sinead reveals that her dying wish is to play Naked Twister <laughs> in October in the community garden. <laughs> and despite their initial... With her family. Right. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. With her cousin... And her aunt, and her uncle, and her husband. Oh. There are no friends there. No. It's just family. This is suddenly become <laughs> very ins- <distinct>. incestuous twister. <laughs> <clears throat> and despite their uh, reluctant uh, stance to begin with, 
Daniel, Kirk, Craig and Beth all start to strip at Daniel's behest. Yes, and Kirk Kirk's, gets furthest. He's practically in his life once when Sinead tells him that she was only joking. <laughs> that was funny. Thank God. <laughs> she said, it's my dying wish. Naked twister. <laughs> and she had a, a very cheeky look on her face. She said yes, it. she did. And then later, they're doing charades that involve Bertie. And Sinead's turn comes round and she falls a little bit, saying that she's a bit wobbly and everyone's worried about her. Kirk says they can do it another time. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, you know, and it it's kind of a callback to earlier in the episode when they're talking about getting her a wheelchair and she says, no, no, I don't want a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I don't need a wheelchair. But obviously it, she it seems like wheelchair. she needs a wheelchair. Then she gets a total hard on about looking at the sky and she gets up to finally get <laughs> take her turn on the charades and this really shocked me. She just threw up yeah. out of nowhere. Well. Oh, I was not expecting that. She is dying from cancer. Right. So <laughs> I was quite shocked by that. That sort of thing does happen. Right. So Daniel takes her home and she locks herself in the uh, bedroom. She doesn't want anyone to see her when she's like this. And Beth sends Daniel off on some imaginary mission to the shops. And he looks kind of devastated by it all. And later, Beth's managed to uh, talk Sinead out of the bedroom. And Daniel suggests that they watch a movie and has given Sinead popcorn. And Sinead, who has been making melancholy observations, wonders why popcorn goes so well with movies. And she reckons it's because it's comforting in the dark. And she tells Daniel that they're on the home stretch now, and he says he knows. And then they make really offensive attempts at American accents. Did they? Yes. Was it offensive? It was offensive to me. <laughs> they said candy floss or candy, cotton candy. Like everybody in America is some hick from the sticks. Like Like we're all from the South or, you know... Or the Upper West. It, it was It was like, hello. I don't, I don't think those accents were meant hello. to represent the whole of America. Yeah, but just... They do exist in America, though, right? Yeah, but not, not to that extent. That's, to, to what that's extent? Really. To what extent? Do you like it when people come up to you and attempt a Scottish accent? They do it all the time. Especially, it doesn't like, bother me. Really, really... Especially the ones that are, like, really exaggerated, like, uh... uh like Willie from The Simpsons sort of thing. I don't care. <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I don't. <laughs> ah, they, they say candy, cotton candy that she, she likes. She likes the way Americans name for it, which is cotton candy as opposed to candy floss, which I can understand that. Cotton candy does sound nicer than candy floss. Cause there was another thing that Daniel thought was better. Oh, daylight savings time. That was a strange one. Right. Yeah. What do you... You guys don't call it daylight savings time. It's British summertime starts and ends. I don't think it has another name apart from that. You guys just call it British summertime. (laughs) Yeah, British summertime starts when the clocks go forward and then ends when they go back. Huh. There you go. We should do an I know you knew you were going to say this. We're not going to get 50 minutes out of British I, summertime. I think we will. I think we will. Because I remember, I remember once upon a time that that was, that was quite annoying when you were still over there and I was over here and ours started a week after yours. I'm sure there's a good reason why. No, there's no reason why. That shouldn't be a thing. Right, but there's a re- there's must be a reason why we don't start on the same day, even though the equinox happens on the same day, the world over. Well, not maybe not the world over, but I don't know. <laughs> just sitting and back then we and can join. just talk about time zones as well as daylight savings time. We could get fifteen minutes out of that. Fifteen, not fifty. Mm. You get 15 minutes out of that. I'm going to write it down. Oh. On Friday then, Tracy is back and she's complaining about her flight to Ken. She had some arsehole kicking the back of her seat all the way and she had some bairn crying in front of her. It was just the worst flight ever. And then Ken offers some perspective and invites her to think about Sinead, who's obviously on her last legs. Tracy tells Beth that she's sorry to hear about Sinead and then asks about Daniel, who Ken says is barely keeping his head above water. At the flat, Emma's chatting to Bethany about a short story she's writing. 
Except she isn't writing it because she can't start it, but she knows it's about a girl in New York working for an ad agency. Uh, really? It was Really, Bethany? The minute she said that. I just kind of rolled my eyes. <laughs> I was like, really? And you know exactly what about living in New York and working for an ad agency. Right, yeah. And I was so grateful that later on somebody kind of basically says that. Yes, but to be fair, there are plenty of Americans who seem to think that they could write full-length novels about the Scottish Highlands and, you know, British aristocracy and things like that who have fuck-all knowledge of those things. I guess most of the stuff I've written have no knowledge about. You take a guess. I don't know. Or you look it up. Well, no. I mean, your whole your whole novel is about grief, which you know an awful lot about. Yeah, that's just one novel. I've written three or four. Yeah. What were the other ones about? You never... Yeah, and those ones are the ones you never tried to get published. Oh, I did. Did you? Mm-hmm. The first one was about... Uh, it was a kind of American cycle set in Scotland. Okay, well, see, it's set in Scotland. You know something about Scotland. Oh, they're all... They were all set in Scotland. Okay, well, see, you uh, were setting the them in some The second one was about a guy who deliberately goes missing to piss off his friend. Because <laughs> uh, his friend's an arsehole. You got a full-length novel out of that? I got 320 pages out of that. Wow. That was over 100,000 words. It was very uh, wordy, though. Most of it. Right, yeah, this is your early work. The third one was about a group of university friends who, and I've never been to university, Okay, and, all right. Uh, one was one point of view was written uh, in letters to a American boy who had been over to Glasgow as part of a uh, trip around Europe, mm-hmm. and I hooked up with this girl, and she kept on writing to him, and he never wrote back. No, well, at least you're writing from the perspective of the Glaswegian girl. Do you have copies of these somewhere? Somewhere. Yeah, you should take them out, and we can work on them. Some of them sound interesting. No, they don't, and I'm making them sound better than they were, <laughs> but they don't sound interesting. So, three hundred words. You should, you should really. Three hundred pages. Yeah, you should really. Words. That one was awful. In, in, invest in things that you've spent so much time on. I'm really impressed. I've only written one novel, and and it's not three hundred pages. No, it's not. <laughs> Other flat, Emma's chatting to Bethany about a short story. No, I've just said that. Yes, you have. Talk turns to Sinead and Daniel, and we can tell that Bethany's still carrying a bit of a torch for him, and this is confirmed when she talks to Sarah about it later. Brian thinks that she should be writing about what she knows, which Sarah agrees with. Yes, and what every English teacher from time immemorial right. has told their students, write what you know. Mm-hmm. Sinead's home help is helping at home when Beth comes in, and Sinead has taken it. Pretty hard that she's unable to do the simple things anymore, like changing the bed and making tea. Then Tracy and Kirk are talking in the pub about Sinead, and Tracy remarks that it's sad that Sinead's not going to see uh, Bertie's first Christmas, which makes Kirk's brain kickstart a little bit. And later to Beth, he claims that he's had an idea, and pitches Uh the early Christmas thing to Sinead, which Beth really seems to go for. Uh Uh-oh. 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 Just noises then. No, I mean it's just as as Tracy will point out later. Sometimes these plants sound good in theory, but may not be great in in practice. Right. Oh, from that point of view, yeah, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she's not well. Right. She couldn't handle a picnic, so you think she's going to handle Christmas? Mm-hmm. James has read Bethany's short story, and it's obvious that she's written a love story about her and Daniel. Maybe she wants to change that. Right, or at, at least change the change some of the characteristics a little bit more to hide exactly what it is. Because he says it's a really good story, but yeah. she's changed Daniel to Samuel, <laughs> and the lead character is in love with someone whose wife is dying of cancer. Right. Hmm. Yeah. But they're obviously still going on with this charade of being... In a couple, because earlier they go to uh, Speed Doll and Yasmin threatens James. Yes. <laughs> you take good care of her or I'll come after you. Oh. You know, and then she says something awful about you should treat her well like my Jeff treats me. And it just wanted me to kill myself. Like my Tim's dad treats me, she says. 
In the pub, Kirk's got Peanut dressed in a Santa outfit so and cute. manages to convince Tracy and Adam and Beth that this is a stonking idea. So Peanut's a Dotsund. Hmm. For some reason, I thought he was like a little white fluffy dog. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's, um, is that Eccles that I'm thinking of? No, Eccles is brown as well. Uh-huh. Didn't somebody have a white dog? Steve. Yeah, I'm not thinking of Steve's dog, though. We haven't seen Steve's dog in a while. I haven't seen we've, Steve in a while. We've been in that apartment a couple of times. You'd think you'd, we'd see that dog. Tracy even agrees to cooking a turkey Rover. with all the trimmings. And that's as far as we get with this yes. story this week. Uh, eh. A little depressing. It's been more depressing. The bit in the community garden was fun until she, she vomited. throwing up, yeah. I think my prediction that she'd die at Christmas is going to actually come true. No, no chance. She's gone next week, I think. No, but they're having Christmas early, remember? Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, she's got a week or two at most, I think. Yeah, the decline is very fast. Mm-hmm. She she looked like death herself. Yeah, it wasn't looking very, great. Very, very white. Very, very pale. They've done a very good job of that, of putting her in all like colored clothes and... Mm-hmm. Making her, her look even helps. more pale. I read something did. that's supposed to happen that's made me quite angry. Well, let's but not, let's not talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Our next storyline this morning. Well done. Eight fifty-four. Woot woot. Alia's at the bistro and Tim's fucking dad. Oh God, I. I hate this. I hate this. For I hate this because I just hate it, and I also hate it when you I know, also hate we're it. also emotionally invested in this whole Sinead thing. That I really just I was like, come on, do we really have to do this this week? Can't we wait on the storyline until after Sinead is dead? Is it really important to do this now? Because it's already just. <laughs> painful to watch this well, show. Well, there's a few other ones came out of the woodwork again this week. That yeah, that seemed like, come on, can't we wait on this just a wee bit and just have smaller stories Yeah, kind of dotted around? We seem to be relying this week an awful lot on uh, Gemma shouting while eating as the <laughs> as the light relief. And even that's not light. I, I had to turn it down. I was like, Jesus, she's fucking really going for it when she's eating those crisps. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about yet. We're not talking yet. about Tim's fucking dad. and Oh, I, I fucking hate him. <laughs> yep. So on Wednesday, while Robert and Michelle are in Mallorca, Alia's helping Ryan out the bistro. And that always strikes me as being odd because... Michelle hates Alia. Well, that... And also, she owns Speed Dial, so why isn't she working there? Yeah, I don't know. Why would you work for your competitor? Well, they're not really competitors. They're two very different kind of restaurants. Tim's dad is now pissed at the fact that he and Yasmin aren't part owners at Speed Dial. This has just come completely out of, the blue. out of the blue. Out of the blue. He woke up this morning thinking, do you know what? I need to I need to fucking stick it to them. Stick mm-hmm. it and emotionally manipulate this family a little bit more. What can I do today? He says that Zidane let Imran buy in, so why not them? Yasmin. Because you're fucking awful and you're not family. <laughs> so Yasmin goes to ask Alia to buy into the business and she's okay for Yasmin to do it, but not Tim's dad. He's just a waiter. And when Yasmin tells Tim's dad about this, he's super pissed. He wants his name on the title and he promptly leaves during his shift. Yasmin leaves a message with Zidane later. She desperately needs to talk with him. Uh-oh. So she's put up really very little resistance anymore. No, no. And those. she's completely gaslit. She... Absolutely seems to think that she has this wonderful relationship, that this is the the best man she could ever get, that he's so wonderful, and that every idea that comes out of his head is a good one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just <laughs> terrifying to me, and very sad, and very triggering, and I hate it. It's been going on for a while now, though, so I think maybe it, it might come to an end. Very soon. Reasonably I hope soon. so. On Friday, Tim's dad is going to ask me... A cold shoulder at Speed Dial until she tells him that Zidane has agreed to sell his half to them both. Well done, Zidane. Well, he doesn't fucking care anymore. He's off... Is he in Australia now? I think that was just on, on was holiday. Was just on holiday? But so he's getting married, so he needs the money. Right. Or, or something. He wants to buy a house with his girlfriend and all this other stuff. 
Tim's dad already has ideas to make changes. No changes. <laughs> no changes. Yasmin wants to call Kani for now, and then in comes Alia, and she is fucking fuming. Yes, yeah, she She's is. just off the phone from Zidane. What's getting at you, Grant, she asks. And she makes it pretty clear that she hates Tim's dad, doesn't trust him, doesn't think he'll be putting his hand in his pocket to pay for any of this, and suspects that this was all his idea all along. And Absolutely. Yas- and Yasmin insists not. She's correct. Mm-hmm. They're the ones putting in the hours, and this is building for the future. This will end in tears, says Alia. And off and she goes. And she's, she's not wrong in anything she said. She's absolutely right in everything she said. That is... Yeah, because he wants to start selling alcohol. That's the next bit, yeah. That's how we... And no. No, it's nice to have this one family restaurant where there's no booze. Mm-hmm. There's so much more you have to do to get licensing for that and, and everything else. And... Your clientele changes, and right. there's it's such a bad idea. He just wants to be it, it, and he uses it. He uses the idea when Yasmin says, "Well, that's not what Alia wants," to shame her about how much she drinks, which really, all uh, honestly, isn't very much. And this is something that really pissed me off about this week is that there was an awful lot of shaming women who decide to drink alcohol every once in a while this week. And that really kind of annoyed me in this storyline and another storyline that we will be talking about later. Oh, I can't think of it. Really? You can't think of it? I'm very sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) No, not off the top of my head. It's blatantly obvious. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Who else goes out drinking this week? And then immediately afterwards, (laughs) you know... It's it's treated as if they're 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 drunken idiots mm-hmm. who are drinking all the time and that's all they ever do, because they go out once. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens a couple of times. Yeah, I think don't think Tim's dad's going to be happy until Speed Dial's called Tim's dad. <laughs> it's so. Uh, it's this. It needs to end soon. This whole thing just needs to. I mean, there's, he's done so many bad things that he honestly should have been caught at by now. You know, between stealing the jewelry and the picture frame. Oh, God, I forgot about that, yeah. You know, you'd think that sort of thing would have bitten him in the ass by now. The manipulating and the claiming to be sick when he wasn't and all this other stuff. The camera. Is that camera still in Yasmin's? Well, probably not, because he's back there now, isn't he? He'll be spying on himself. Or, you know, spying on her when he's not there. Oh, maybe. I still don't understand why nobody found that. A big white thing stuck in a CD cabinet. Right. Uh, Who has CDs anymore, anyway? I have a couple. You bought one recently. I still don't know why. Oh, no, I didn't buy it. I was gifted it. It was a Christmas present. Oh. The Bjork one, I think you're referring to, yes? Yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a gift from our Sue Miller. This Christmas? For Christmas. This past Christmas. Last Christmas. Last we only started Christmas. listening to it like a couple of months ago. Yeah. Well, you did because that was the first time you were in my car. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're not in my car very often. No. Our next storyline this morning. 901. Boom. Shaka-laka-laka. Chesney and Gemma. Oh, God. Oh, Chesney's pissed at Bernie for eating out the fridge, so to speak. He's angry at her and Gemma. She's eating all of the bacon. Yep, she had to, she had to cook All of the bacon. All. She had to cook all of the bacon for herself. But it wasn't that she was going to eat, uh, that she, all that she was going to eat was the bacon. She was making a proper fry-up. Right. So this is only going to be part of what she was eating. Right, so she was so going to eat all the she, sausage as well. Right. And all the eggs. He's furious because he's sad about Sinead, but I think he'd be furious anyway. Right, yeah. And later in the Rovers, Gemma announces that she's got Ches a present to cheer him up. It's freebie VIP tickets for the next Weddy County match if they agree to do some press with Tommy O later today. And Chesney is just blowing a wad in his pants. Yep. We're introduced to King's Robes Arena by a photographer from Weddy Gazette. Chess goes through the turnstile, and Gemma takes offence when the photographer suggests that she goes through the gate because she's so fat and pregnant and stuff. 
and she proceeds. He doesn't say fat. He just says pregnant. She she adds the fat part herself. Mm-hmm. So she proceeds to try and get through the turnstile, and then somehow manages to get herself stuck. Right. And that was comedy gold. And called him sexist. Yeah, hilarious, hilarious. Pregnant lady stuck in a turnstile. That's Those turnstiles are pretty tight. So funny. And would be a very tight fit for anybody. Well, particularly Gemma. Go through the gate. Just go through the gate. But I think they've got a little button that you can push to unlock it so she could be able to back up. Boop, 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 boop. That's not funny. (laughs) All pregnant women the world around are yelling at you right now. Well, if they're stuck in turnstiles, I'm sorry. You fucking deserve it. (laughs) So she gets... The comedy gold is further extended when she ends up getting cut out by the fire brigade. While we Neds film her on their phones. Yeah. Because they're assholes. Seems to have lost a chance to be in the match programme because Tommy O's had to go and do something else and they had to go to the hospital. And it turns out the tickets were only worth 12 quid anyway. <laughs> it's like, really? Well, yeah. But the whole Tommy O experience would have been. It cost 10 quid to get in the aloe when I used to go. I think it's 18 now. Yeah. 18 quid to go and see aloe play, jeez. The nurse tells Gemma to stay away from the football, but the quads are going to be fine. And she, the nurse also reveals that she used to have a crush on Tommy O once upon a time. How long has he been a footballer? <laughs> Forever, it seems. A home chest reveals that he's got tickets after all, but Gemma, if she's going to go, she wants the works and a free pie and a private bog. And then <laughs> the wee kids start singing who ate all the pie. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And throughout this, on Wednesday, Chesney makes a number of remarks about her, her blue cheeseburger. And every and time, her and, and every time he says that, she kind of goes, <sighs> I just didn't get what that was all about. Well, because he's being a jerk about... You know, nagging every little thing that she does but and calling her with fat. That, something happened stuff. with that blue cheeseburger. It probably just didn't sit well with her, and she was on the she was on the can for half the night or Ugh. something. Is what I'm imagining. I'd just like some clarity on that. <laughs> you you want to know for sure that Gemma was on the can all night? I just want to know what the effect of the blue cheeseburger was. Pooping her brains out. On Friday, Gemma's in the cabin uh, stocking up on sweeties. Ugh. And salties. Mm-hmm. When Alia and then Brian reveal how it's all over social and regular media about what happened uh, yesterday. And on the front page of the Way the Gazette is the title Knocked Up and Locked Up and there's a picture of Gemma stuck in the turnstiles. Yeah. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Way the Gazette. That's a very odd phrase to you. Knocked up as part of your... Your headline. Knocked up and locked up. It's and for the icky. front page, right. is there no other, you know, news within within the country of England well, with which to put on your front page? It's not, a, it's not a national newspaper, it's just a local newspaper. Right, yeah, but you would still think even our local paper will have, you know, national news in it. Yeah, but... Especially if it's something serious. I mean, Brexit's going on. Surely there's something more important we can put on the... Old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> at home, Gemma's furious and is getting bombarded with calls from Haya magazine, who are now suddenly interested in doing the story because they didn't want to do it. What's up? My nose was doing funny things when I was laughing. I was kind of snorting like a pig. Oh. Hopefully you'll be able to cut that out. I don't think I heard it. Haya. <laughs> uh, yeah, Haya's interested. They, they were initially only interested... After, After the quads, the quads were, going to be were born. born, because they wanted to wait until. But this Suki character is now interested now that where the Gazette have published pictures of her or something. Stuck in a turnstile. But then a big box of nappies turns up, and that seems to make up for it. Later, the house is getting full with other freebies that are suddenly coming in. Right. Benny thinks he should be getting in touch with Higher Magazine, and then Ches goes off to get four high chairs that somebody's going to give him. Right. How nice is that? Everything seems to be coming up Chesney and Gemma. <laughs> At the pub, Gemma's calls are still coming through and she's refusing them while eating with her mouth open. And then in comes Rosa Vale. She's a PR rep who can help them make a ton of cash. 
She explains how it's all going to work and she just takes 15%, which is just standard. Yeah, also, that doesn't sound that bad. Also, Haya Magazine's Suki has been reprimanded in the past for her behaviour. Mm. She's apparently been harassing people. Right. Rosa has her sights set on bigger things. Like television. And Gemma is so excited, she thinks that she's going into labour. The PR woman wants to film it, but they agree to get her to drive her to the hospital. And at the hospital, Rosa is such an arsehole that even Bernie chases her away, and Gemma is scared that something's going to go wrong. On the street, Chess has come back from picking up whatever he was picking up, and Emma, Hi, and Emma tells him about the news about Gemma. She gives him a hug and a kiss, and this is all captured by a creepy paparazzo. Yay! And at the hospital, it turns out that it's a false labour or stress or whatever, and she's to take it easy. Then in comes Rosa, introducing herself as someone to make Chesney a ton of cash. Bernie has had a call from the papers. It turns out the Gazette is all over the story of Ches and Emma hugging uh, in the street. Right, yeah, they're calling. I love rat. Yeah. So the Weather Gazette is basically turned into the sun, I think. Chesney. Love rat. Right. Bernie offers to deal with the press for them instead of Rosa. What does this Muppet know? asks Chess in front of Bernie. But Bernie insists that she's capable, and so Gemma agrees to hire her. Which is stupid because in the bistro, she says to her mother, you don't know anything about any of this. We really should rely on this person who does this for a living. You tend to turn everything awful, mum. Mm-hmm. We're going to go with a professional. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the episode, she wants to hire her mum instead. You know this is going to be disastrous. You know this is going to be horrible. You know things are going to go horribly wrong. Chesney should just say, no. she stole your pee yeah. a month ago. Right. You and want- then just, <laughs> no more explanations needed. She stole your pee. Gemma was quite excited to get on a sh- show called Loose Women. Loose Women, yeah. It's kind of like that. The, I don't know what the name of it is here. You have your little panel of four women who complain about things. Oh, like The View. Yeah, right. But they call it Loose Women? Loose Women, yeah. Why do they call it Loose Women? <laughs> that sounds like a show about prostitutes. Well, they're all kind of older. <laughs> and that explains it out. Maybe. So older prostitutes. <laughs> this just seems like a really awful title for a show about women talking about women's stuff. Loose women. I think it's kind of loose talk sort of thing. Off the cuff. I think it's what it's meant to do. I don't think the insinuation is meant to be about prostitution. Or or sluts. Or sluts. <laughs> but that's the connotation that loose women have. I could be wrong. But yeah, she's dying to go to loose it. women. Awful title for a show. Yikes. So I was really confused. I was like, why is Gemma so excited to go on a show about prostitutes? <laughs> so she's due to have her C-section next month? Yes. So that's coming up pretty quick. Yes. So this is all going to happen at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So she's not going to have her... What are they going to do at Christmas? Because I thought that the quads would come at Christmas. So did I. So that's going to be November instead. Yeah, and Gemma wants them out now. And they're like, nope, sorry, we can't take them out this early. Unless there's an emergency. Uh, She gets a lot of stick. I think she's been pretty funny in in the role. She's had her moments. It kind of makes me smile. They need to get her some honest-to-God maternity clothes. (laughs) She's wearing a wife beater. She was wearing a wife beater at one point. She's wearing this long shirt with like one of her original shirts over it which only now covers her boobs and it's like are we trying to make her look as fat as possible yes yes and that's as horrible exactly as happened. possible right then again some of the costumes the choices on the show have always just seemed kind of questionable to me like why does paul always just wear sweatpants <laughs> what is it with paul in sweatpants it's just I've never noticed. He's Captain Sweatpants? <laughs> He's Captain Sweatpants on the show. <laughs> it's like, why? Does he not own a pair of jeans or something? Surely when he's working at the knicker factory, he's wearing... Sweatpants. Is he? He's always in sweatpants. I've never noticed. And like when he sits, you know, because he sits like a like a dude. He does the man spreading mm-hmm. in sweatpants. <laughs> and it's always just bothered me. 
<laughs> and then, of course, you hate Imran's jacket. Oh, I don't. You do. No, you do. Did I? You keep calling it his horrible, his horrible jacket. That's horrible. I, I like don't think it. I hate it. I like it. It goes far. It looks nice on it. him. Ah, <laughs> uh, sweatpants. <laughs> Captain sweatpants. That's excellent. <clears throat> He's still our favourite guy, though. We only have four more stories to do, and three of them are a couple of paragraphs. Nice. <laughs> I'm so excited about how little effort we have in putting in this this week. <laughs> oh, well, it's morning and I have like a million things to do today. So tired. I still haven't done my performance review. On Wednesday, the Ali storyline. Just a little bit about that. Actually, this isn't too bad. Ali talks through some of his issues with Toya and she jokes about his deep, dark secrets and he tells her that she doesn't know the half of it. And Ryan sees the two of them and jokes that Ali and Toya are now a thing, but he's really just glad that Ali sort himself out. Right. That's it. Yeah. Pretty much all that happens. And Toya asks, you know, about Maria and everything and says, don't you think maybe she could have helped you? And he's like, I don't want to burden her with, with my stuff. As if a relationship is only the decision of one person in that relationship. <sighs> I don't know. The show's got my feminist dander up this week. <laughs> Hashtag feminism, definitely. <laughs> James and Bethany. Ugh. On Wednesday, they're working out Sprint down the street. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he didn't kind of just mesh this in with the uh, other with the uh, Sinead stuff. This didn't really feel like it fitted in that. No, I, but I don't think it really fits on its own anywhere. And Bethany deliberately knocks James over and he puts his ankle out or something. He needs to go to the club doctor to get it checked out. Well, he does. She doesn't really deliberately knock him over. I think she was just trying to startle him, like boo. You know, because they're racing and she mm-hmm. hides and she's going to like, ah! And then it, it knocks him over because he's a, he's a footballer, so everything knocks him over. <laughs> and then on Friday, James meets Craig and Craig seems to be pretending to be running. He sees James and so he starts to run. No, he seemed like he had been running and he's kind of just trying to catch his breath. And everything, because he's in, like, workout gear and stuff, and he is a cop, so he does have to at least pretend to try to get into shape. Right. So, James... How did he pass the physical? I have no idea. We kind (laughs) of... We knew it was coming up, like, a year ago or whatever, and then... It's just kind of... (laughs) So, anyway, James and Craig... Not fat-shaming him or anything. I couldn't pass it. They agree to uh, work out together. Yeah. Which is nice. Sure. The house is farting. That's the heating on. Yeah. The heating. The heating is kicked off. People have been touching that thermostat. Nobody's been touching it. Hmm. It's still on 60, as it has been. Since time immemorial. <laughs> Nobody touches that thermostat. On to the Asha storyline. You're Just such a, a dad. You know couple... <laughs> I can tell when somebody's touched a thermostat, even when I'm not in the house. <laughs> I just got a sense of tingling. And we don't even have one of those fancy, like, smart thermostats where you can, you know, adjust it from your phone. Oh, no, these are from the... Miles away. These are Honeywell from the 1970s. Right, yeah. That, that everyone used to have. <laughs> and we, we still, we still have. Because we don't want our house listening in on us. <laughs> on Friday, Asha's off to school and she's getting nagged a little bit by Dev. She's agreed to go to his counselling and doesn't need the shite from him. Dev seeks advice from Brian, who says everything will fall into place once she's had teenagers of her own. To which they both start laughing. Yeah. Because they know that's bullshit. Right. <laughs> and that was our penultimate storyline. Mm-hmm. Our final storyline tonight is Shona and Mad Marion. Marion, Mad Marion. <laughs> That was an that, awful that's lot very of good. That's very good, the whole Mad Marion. You, you worked that out quite well. You just took an I out of maid that's, and made mad. That's how I work. <laughs> On Wednesday. <laughs> Shona and Sarah are knocking back the vino. And Shona's complaining. Because they're finally, like, they start out, you know, while they're still at home. And um, they've gotten, what's her name, Faye to watch the kids. And they're dressed up again and... 
Sarah's like, oh, we're finally going to go out for your birthday. And I know it turned out really awful before, but today is going to be really great. And they're all dressed up and they're going to celebrate her birthday. And what do they do? They go to the bistro, sit in the back corner and get drunk. Right. Poor Shona. They might as well just... Uh, Poor Shona. Bought a bottle from... Happy fucking birthday. They're not even eating... They're not even having dinner. Sarah's not even springing for dinner. It's just booze. Well, where's she get that money? Well, she's still... She's like part owner of the liquor factory now, isn't she? Is she still sleeping on the floor at number eight? No, no. She's sleeping at Adam's now. Isn't she? No, because she comes down the stairs a couple of times at number eight. She must be sleeping in Gail's bed. Oh, maybe. I mean, Gail's not using it. She's in Thailand. That's right. Still. Where did Gail get the money to stay in Thailand for months? We haven't seen her. She's been gone forever. In Thailand. The mind boggles. (laughs) Suddenly got an image of Winona Ryder in my head. I don't know why. (laughs) So... Shona is complaining that Lily's not well. Max is still acting up and they've got a bush pipe to add to their woes. That was a new one. They've got a bush pipe. Nobody fixes that bush pipe. Somebody must have because there's no burst pipe. You don't hear water running no. incessantly somewhere in the house. Sarah tells Shona to chill the fuck out and proceeds to get hammered. Shona decides to get shots while Sarah gets a call from the childminder dropping Harry off with Faye who's already looking after Lily. Sarah decides not to tell Shona this. And the childminder said. <laughs> Has to call Sarah to confirm it's okay to drop the ch- Harry off with, with Faye, which must make Faye feel really good right. about herself. I thought for sure that she wasn't going to get a line, but she did. I felt the same way about the home help. I thought she's never going to get a line, and they gave her a line. Yeah, it was nice of them. That means they have to pay her. Right. So, uh... Don't they have to pay them anyway? Just less? I don't know. You still have to get paid. I think you get expenses. No. Surely you actually get some money here the extras get paid even if they're not speaking no, I don't know if all that's the why things. that's why they use cgi so much for crowds now because you don't have to pay a cgi crowd oh that's tough being an extra then hmm. if there's any extras out there let us know let us know <laughs> max comes in and demands to take over the tv because uh, he's wanting to play playstation with his friends got a raid and then uh she throws and he throws the remote at Faye when she tells him to wind his neck in. And she goes to text Sarah about this. Later, Shona and Sarah get home-pished and find Max has taken over the TV after all and there's a smash and Gail's vase is broken and Harry is out for the count on the floor. Max pleads his innocence and ignores pished Shona and runs up the stairs. And they phone an ambulance and off Harry goes to the hospital. Right, because the, the women are all in the kitchen so they don't they don't witness any of this. No. Max comes down the stairs and insists some coffee to, sober up. to a still drunk Shona that he didn't hurt Harry and he blames Lily. She denies it and Shona goes rage on Mark. Yeah, but Max. Lily looks shifty this whole oh, time. It's obviously, it's obviously Lily. Yeah. And Shona starts shaking Max. He calls her a drunk and then runs away. Harry's speaking now. Did you notice that? Harry says words. Did he? Yeah. What did he say? I don't, he, he repeats everything that Lily says when they're on the couch watching their DVDs. Oh, I didn't. About the big dinosaur. Oh. Most scenes with Max these days end in him running somewhere. Sarah phones Adam and tells him that she's sure that the nurses are looking at her funny because she had a few drinks with Shona earlier, and he tells her not to worry. That was a weird scene, wasn't it? Yep. That was a time filler, I thought. It was... It's like, what are they What are they trying to... Why would she feel the need to call Adam to say... Even Adam wasn't interested in that scene. <laughs> Just to say that. Because she's like, are you typing? Yeah, I'm just responding well, to an email. Yeah, I'm, I'm working. You called me at work. Mm-hmm. So I'm still working while talking to you. Wind your neck in. Yeah, she didn't seem happy with that. No. So Shona is phoning around Max's friends, parents to find out where he's got to. When Marion, Max's grand, shows up. And Max... Mad Marion. Max is with her and... Well... <laughs> no, Max is not Max with her. Max is, is with her at home. Right. And Max she, is at her house. And she wants to know why. So who's looking after Max at the moment? Nobody. <laughs> He's 13. We leave our 13-year-old without supervision. Sometimes. Benny's 13. So Shona remarkably still pished. 
And Marion latches onto this and blames Shona, who be- who behaves like Max did earlier. Did you see that, that kind of little subtle shift where Marion became Shona and Shona became Max because she's suddenly very subtly and denying everything and no, no, I didn't, I didn't do anything and, and, and lying. And, clam- and yeah, <laughs> and just. I, oh no, two women decided to go out and have some drinks. And then disaster happened. That'll be on the front page of the Weather Gazette tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, Come on, guys. Can't we do better? Shona calls Max a disrespectful monster. Oops. It's true, though. Yep. Well, Max is always thoughtful at Marion's house, but always has some drama to, to talk about. Right. Well, that's kids. Shona calls Max a liar and then continues to lie to Marion about the trouble Max was in or shaking him. Marion calls out the situation in the house and the fact that Gail is in Thailand. The mind boggles, she says. So? <laughs> oh, Gail is in Thailand. So, a grand going on vacation, arguably longer than she probably should have, means that the house is disastrous. She's Marion has all of these bad things to say about Shona and about Gail fucking off and about Sarah. Did you notice that she never says anything bad about David, who's in jail, <laughs> who's actually in, in prison for doing something bad? It's it's like... Uh, uh. It also seemed that Marion had done some research and knew that where Clayton was. Well, the whole thing about Clayton. R- running through a, a graveyard, presumably. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure Max filled her in on all of this. Right. Because Max is trying to shed his home life in the worst light he possibly can because mm. he seems to think that that's going to solve all of his problems. Moving in with the mother of his drug dealer, dead father. Right. Who was an awful person. Nobody, so, seems, to, no, nobody seems to want to say, well, Caleb, Caleb was an awful person. Right. Marion agrees to go, but she's going to keep an eye on this, she says. And she's got a... And she turns up at Adam's looking for legal advice about getting custody for her grandkids. Adam explains yeah, the process... Yeah, because now all of a sudden she doesn't want just Max. She wants Harry too. Does she want Harry? Yeah. That's why Sarah's all upset. Who the fuck's Harry got to do with her? Who's Harry's dad? Oh, I'm so tired. That's <laughs> Callum. All right, okay. Well, that's fair enough then. Go for it. Might as well go for both of them. Who are Lily's parents? <laughs> <laughs> Is Lily actually the only one who's David's child in, in actuality? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is too early for this. <laughs> and that house is so confusing. <laughs> People come in and go in. Right, because she says both of them. And at first I thought she meant Lily, but then, you know, Shona tells Sarah that she wants that Marion is coming after Max and Harry. And this is why Sarah's all upset, and this is why Sarah continues to be upset, and this is why Sarah wants to talk to Adam. Because if it was just Max, do you really think Sarah would care? (laughs) I'm surprised any of them care. I'm surprised any of them aren't saying, go for it. Take Max. Max can live with you. Right. Go for it, old lady who doesn't know this teenager who hasn't been in his life for the past, what, 10 years? Well, we don't know. It seems that they visit occasionally. No, because everybody seems rather shocked to see Marion and the fact that she's come back. I got the impression that, that he's visited before, but he's never stayed over. Shona says, I think. Well, Somebody n- says that. No, Shona has realized that this whole, that he's been going over there now and that when he says he's going to his friend, quote unquote, Cal's house. Oh, this is who M is. Yeah, this is who M is. And Cal. Why would you have M instead of? Cal. Callum. Oh. This is this is this is he's been going to his grand's house instead of his quote unquote friend Cal who does not exist. Right. Because remember when Shona's calling all the friends and saying yeah, he's going to this call. kid's house and I don't know him and I've never met him. Why would you let your child go to someone's house that you've never met? Right. 
Why would you do that? Mm. I've met all of our kids' friends and most of their parents. I'm still I know they exist. Worried that he would put Eamon and his phone grand. instead of Gran well, or Marion. Well, because he doesn't want everybody else to know that he's in contact with her. Because isn't Callum's whole family kind of dodgy? Can we just deal with one thing at a time? Lily is indeed David's daughter, David and Kylie. Right, so Marion can't take her. No. no, Just Max and Harry. Just Max and Harry. So Adam explains the process about getting custody in very general terms and then tells uh, Marion to keep a diary and make an appointment with uh, Sarah in the morning. Not Sarah. Sarah isn't her secretary. Leanne. Oh, it's so tired. Right, because this woman comes, okay, this woman comes barging in at the end of the day to the first solicitor's office she comes by. (laughs) How serious is she in this inquiry if she doesn't already have a solicitor lined up and just doesn't do any research, just says, oh, this is a solicitor's office. I'm just going to go right up and hire that guy without any research, without knowing anything. And poor Adam has no idea who this woman is. No. But this is going to bite him in the ass later. Indeed. So later, Shona is talking with Sarah and admits to shaking Max and seems to have learned uh, Marion's plans already. She didn't seem to be shaking him that hard, though. The show always makes... Because wasn't there something else? The only person who's actually ever really put their hand on a child on the show to a horrifying degree that we see was Evelyn with um, Hope. Oh. Pushing her against the wall. Pushing her against the wall. I mean, should she have shaken him? No, obviously. But they're all acting like she's shaken a baby, which you absolutely never do. You never shake a baby. But this is a 13-year-old. Even if you're trying to get money of it's nappy. (laughs) Sturdy (laughs) child. You know, Max is practically Shona's size at this point. Oh, totally take her if he he chose to. Right. They're acting like... Anyway, then Never Lily, shake children. Lily admits that it really was her who pushed Harry and Shona gets a text from Marion telling her to lawyer up. Well, You'll Friday, be hearing from my solicitor, she says. It's Adam, it's just around the corner. <laughs> just the corner. On Friday, Shona's tried Max's phone, but he's not for answering. And Sarah's going to speak with Adam and Shona needs to see David and tell him what's been going on. Right. At the prison, David is still doing his haircutting classes when the bloke he helped out the other week warns him that some trouble is about to go down and then he sees a shank getting passed around. Yikes. So it's visiting time and Shona explains the problems with Max and says that he stayed at his grand's last night and David goes, what? She's in Thailand. What, Gales? Right. <laughs> See, this is why. This is how you know that Marion has not been in the picture for years and years and years and years and years since Callum has died, because it doesn't even occur to David that Max could have been could have been there. But that's just because that line was dreadful and shouldn't have been in it. Well, because the line is essentially Shona saying Max stayed at home last night. Right. This is why he's confused because the only grand he can think of that Max has. Is Gail. So she points out that no, it was Marion, and she has no idea when he's coming home. She says that she's not fit to be Max's mum. But David thinks this is all his fault because he's in the jail. He's not wrong. He'll be out in three weeks, and they can work hard to get him home and get it all figured out, and they can all work through this. David, David takes us in his stride quite, yeah, quite easily. Yeah, quite, quite easily. And he's also very dumb and saying, I'm almost out. You know, everything will be fine very soon because I'm getting out soon. Oh, to which I say, uh-oh. Well, that gets, that uh-oh becomes worse later. Yes. So the weird guy is quizzing David quite a bit about his home life, but David draws a line about talking about why Shona was such a gem for helping him get through stuff a little while ago. And back home, Shona is very impressed that David took everything so well. Everything will be back to normal once David's out. Uh-oh. And then, so, then Sarah says, hopefully nothing's going to happen that will delay his release. Uh-oh. And with a shit-eating grin, Shona says, that will never happen. Uh-oh. Which means that's definitely going to happen. Something's going to happen. <laughs> Why? Why make it so easy for us? I know. David's off to get his meds when he sees that in the next room, covered <clears> in strawberry jam, is Josh. Epilepsy. David has. Right. David has epilepsy. Oh, I think we knew that. I think we did know that. They share a look and Josh reveals that he thinks he has a broken rib and someone nearly took his eye out. The show loves fucking about with Josh's eyes, doesn't it? 
<laughs> At least he's not blind anymore. He says he got beat up because folk found out he was a rapist. <clears throat> Back in the cell, the weird guy thinks that everyone is about to kick off after that fight, and David lets it slip that he knows Josh's name, but is able to cover by saying that he overheard the nurse calling him that. Right, and there's an awful lot... There's an awful lot of talk about overcrowding. And you've never seen anybody. And, and, and lots of people getting getting pushed in and then putting, uh, you know, violent offenders in with just normal guys like David who just stole money off his grand. Right. And all this other stuff. And all of a sudden, the guards are really mean. And even that nurse was mean. Yeah. Like, all of the staff is just like these horrible cliches of what prison guards are. And it's just like, really? Because you're letting them take lessons in how to cut hair. In the plain pool. With scissors. With cues. <laughs> so the weird guy looks like he kind of believes it. It was the guy with all the tattoos that beat uh, Josh up, yes? No. Oh, no, it was a one. different big guy mm-hmm. with a beard. No, the guy with pen all over his face didn't do it. No. He's now reformed in his uh, <laughs> cutting people's hair. <laughs> Sarah's chasing... Uh, Chasing? Sarah's chatting with Adam on the street, talking about the new client that he's got when Marion turns up and whoa, whoa, Adam suddenly realises there's a bit more history here than he thought. Plus, he never asked Marion for any names because, well, he's a fanny. Yeah, why would he? Meanwhile, back Which in prison, ridiculous. the weird guy's quizzing David about Josh. David isn't interested in talking about it, and the weird guy promises to do some digging on this Josh character. To see if he's really in for rape. Yep. Adam points out the conflict of interest, but it doesn't really matter. Marion will go someplace else now she knows what she needs to be asking for, thanks to Adam's free advice. And Sarah's pissed about Adam doing his job and the right thing by a client. Right. Yeah. It. He didn't know, and he, she just. He just got the base. She just got the basic advice out of him. She didn't get. He got that much. He gave away the name of a form. Right. But, Which she should. She could probably look up online. Right. The creepy guy won't let the Josh thing drop. He's definitely in for rape. He drugged someone and then raped them. And David admits that's what Josh did to him because the creepy guy thinks that it was shown that they got raped. Yeah. David explains the situation and the creepy weird guy wants Josh to pay for this. Do you think the creepy weird guy has a crush on David? I don't know. There's something weird about him, which is why I'm calling him the, the weird, creepy, weird guy. creepy weird guy. Who tells David that there's going to be a riot tomorrow and tells David that this is his perfect chance to get revenge on Josh. And that's how we end this week's episodes. And we see a picture of Josh in the bed getting startled at every little noise, almost as if he's still blind, which he obviously (laughs) isn't. You know, and then we see a shot of David, then we see a shot of Josh, then we see a shot of David, and then we say, "Uh uh-oh, David does not have to do anything. If there's going to be a riot and people are already beating Josh up and shouting so that he can hear in the nurse's station, we're going to get you next time, rapist. Somebody is going to kill Josh. Yeah, this it situation is going to take to care of itself. David. Right. David, you don't have to do anything. You could even probably get the creepy weird guy to kill him for you. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he's dead, that's all. You don't have really to matters. do anything. Nothing. Do you think? I think David feels bad that the, that Josh raped somebody else. I think that's I think that's the main sticking point. Because remember, David was pretty well over this. Oh, I yeah, mean, as, as over it as one as one can be, and he's he'd moved on with his life. I think it's just the the shocking fact that Josh did it again to somebody else, and that David feels responsible for that because he didn't take care of Josh. No, just left him blind in an alley. Right, and didn't report him to jail, and didn't get him, or he sort of did, but then he got it thrown out, or something happened. Because Josh was getting Was interviewed. there a lack of, inter- in- lack of evidence or something? Yeah. I can't remember. Something happened. But I think that's... Wasn't Billy involved? Billy's always involved. Fucking Billy, jeez. <laughs> yeah, because Josh kept on turning up at Billy's house, didn't he? Yeah, Josh was like in a re- in that repeat offenders group or something. No. Yeah. That wasn't that. I think so. Because he had to be an offender for that, and he's been getting away with it. I think he was in for something else, like stealing or something. Maybe he'd done some other, like... You're just making this up now. You just... He wouldn't just randomly show up at Billy's house. I think he did, because Billy went to see him in hospital, 
Right. But there was... Who beat him, who beat him up? Was it David who beat him up and put him in hospital? No, it was... Oh, he tried to do it to some other guy. Right. And that other guy beat the crap out of him. Right. That's right. Yeah. And Billy felt bad because he was the one who told that guy who beat the crap out of Josh. Correct. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. There yep. we go. We can there remember we stuff. High five. We figured it out. A really high five? Okay. There we go. Joe also thinks that in prison that they plan riots for tomorrow. Yes. I, I always just get the feeling that riots happen. Oh, no. They say tomorrow we're going to do this, that 2.30 we're going to have a riot. Well, they do plan them. Riots are planned. I mean, sometimes they're not, but... I figured they were more organic than that. You, you, Well, you need to get, like, shanks and all of your supplies and stuff get to riot. Get your shoes on as well. Right. That's what I learned from that 60 days in. Because they're normally cutting about in wee, like, slippers. crocs and slippers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, because they going can't to have fight, sh- shoelaces. If they're going to fight, they get, their, they get their tennis shoes on for that. Hmm. So they don't slip in the blood. 60 days in. Good show. Moment of the week. I honestly can't think of anything. They were just like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. I thought Naked Twister was was my moment of the week. I just love seeing Sinead Harvey and her cheeky wee face when she told them all to get their cut off. I thought it was pretty funny. All right. So that's moment of the week. That's a moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Boring of the moment of the week. Craig and James. <laughs> is it Craig and James or is it... Bethany's short story. James and Bethany sinning in Speed Doll and Yasmin threatening James if he ever hurts her. No, that was quite funny. You found that funny? I found that depressing. Because she talks about how great Tim's dad is. Oh, but she's just sticking her nose in and... Because she has no interest in either of them. But well, apparently everybody is Bethany's gran on the street now. <laughs> Because this isn't the first time. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Bethany's grad. No, I'm Bethany's grad. Even Dev is Bethany's grad. I think we're all... I'm Bethany's grad. <laughs> we're all Bethany's grad. <laughs> all right, yeah, jogging. Jogging with James. Jogging with James. There we go. That's our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. It's 9.40 in the AM. Shall we... Yes. Ra- <laughs> I haven't, yes, written, I haven't written the post amble again, so uh, something amusing. If you want to <laughs> get in touch with us, here's how you can do so. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com for email and for uh, Skype if you want to send us a voicemail and PayPal if you want to leave a couple of bucks in our tip jar. We're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and we have a blog somewhere that does something Please occasionally. Please pay us so that the kids and I can change the thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week We're at a more regular time, hopefully, with more talk of the street. I'll talk of the street. Cheerio. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.